Welcome back to Mad Props. Today on the show, we have Alan Hahn joining us. He is on ESPN. You can see him on Get Up. You can hear him on ESPN New York. You can see him on Knicks pre and post. You can see him in the game sometime. You can see him all over the place. Big NBA guy, big Knicks guy. He'll be coming up in just a second. Before we get to that, make sure you follow us on Instagram, Mad Props Pod. If you go there, follow it. You can uh, interact with us. You can see clips, all that other stuff. So definitely go check that out. Go subscribe to Schnabel Studios on YouTube as well. If you're listening to this on Spotify, you can go watch the podcast there. If you are watching this on YouTube, go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, anywhere anywhere you get your podcast, iHeartRadio. Go subscribe to that. You can get updates of this show every time it comes out, and you can never miss a guest Go subscribe to us everywhere you can subscribe. Schnabel Studios on YouTube, Mad Props everywhere else. Uh, definitely go follow Schnabel Studios as well. They have all the podcasts in the Schnabel Studios brand, including Sketching Up, Mad Props, Southern Hospitality. You can also see offstage there. Schnabel Studios, we just released DJ Grule, Rebuilding a Culture, a documentary that came out last year, was in festivals. It is now open to the public. You can see it on the Schnabel Studios page. So if you really want to stay up to date, if you really want to see the best things, Go follow on Instagram. Go uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's where you're going to get all the best stuff. So definitely go do that. All right, coming up, we're going to have Alan Hahn. We talk a lot about sports and just have a really good time, learn a little bit about his background and ask him questions about like really everything. Um, Not many sports takes. You can get his sports takes on ESPN Radio every single day on Barton Hahn, or you can see him on Get Up or all that other stuff. So we just kind of talk about life and stuff like that. So definitely stay tuned. Mad props coming up right now. Hi, I'm Alan Hahn. Let's start the show. Alan, thank you so much for joining. Thank you for being here, Uh, especially, you know, you have a busy day. You know, you're on the radio and TV all day to come and join for this. It's been great. So thanks for being here. That's good. We just got done with our show, actually, so I'm still in talk mode. You got me at the right time. Perfect. That's exactly when we got want to get you. I've had people that are they're big talkers, but I get them like late at night, and then they're just like, "Yeah, oh. you know this, this, this." I'm like, "I just heard you talk for four hours. I know it's I know it's late, but come on, I know you could do it." <laughs> it just that's what it becomes. It becomes I become a really good listener later on at night because it's like I got nothing to say. I'm out. I'm tapped out. Yeah, and uh, for anyone who doesn't know, ESPN New York, that's where I hear you most of the time. I'm big. I, I actually live in Indianapolis now. I just moved here. Um, I'm from New York. I listen to ESPN New York a lot because I like to keep up with the New York teams, especially when I move. I've been all around the country now, apparently. I started in New York, then I was in Florida, then I was in Connecticut, then I was in Boston, then I was in Spokane, Washington, because I went to Gonzaga wow. for a little bit. Then I was back go. in Connecticut. Now I'm in Indianapolis. And all throughout all that, I try to listen them up so I can keep up on my New York. Sports. All those places, and you're stuck with the New York teams. I like that. Well, yeah, that's I, good. At least you, I, you stake your claim. You plant your flag. You don't become one of these fake, phony people that are like, "Well, I live 15 minutes here, so I'm, <laughs> I, I, you know, like because they're good for a change. That's what you do. Well, like all these people, are, phony. You're about to call me a but, phony because I don't well, like all New York teams, but I uh, never wait, picked wait, up what, a team let along me see. the way. Uh, no, you, well, all right, that doesn't make sense. So then, if you're you're not an all New York fan but you didn't pick up along the way so you're saying from birth when i was young you were already I so was, let me oh, guess 
So somehow I, you became a Miami Heat fan. Somehow, no. somewhere, I don't know how. Dude, come on, no? look at the shirt right now. <laughs> I see Mickey Mouse and I see Orlando. That tells me you like to go to Disney. So do I. He's oh, there's the, the magic button. He's got the logo. Wow. wow. <laughs> of all the Florida teams, you picked the Orlando. I magic, don't. Huh? Listen, listen. I don't need it. All right. <laughs> I've had it long well, enough now. <laughs> I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. I actually respect it. And what I can say is you are not a phony because a phony wouldn't stay connected to a franchise that has had a really hard time trying to figure it out. And everybody that they've ever gotten is like, yeah, I'm here for a minute, but it's time for me to go. So there's no way you could fake that. How could you possibly fake being an Orlando Magic fan? To me, it's like these people – these people that are like, yeah, I'm a Giants fan, and I'm a Yankees fan, and I moved down to Florida like a bunch of years ago. Oh, uh, who do you like in basketball? Oh, I like the Heat. What do you mean you like the Heat? Yeah, I moved to Tallahassee, but I'm a huge Heat fan. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> like, stop it. Like, like you know, you know, I tried to New York. You know, I grew up in Brooklyn, and, uh, you know, I, I, I had, I'm, I'm always a Yankees fan. I'm tried and true. Yeah, who's your basketball team? No, the Heat. Like, you're not the Heat fan. When were you a Heat fan? Oh, 2010. Mm, wonder yeah, why. Wonder why in 2010 suddenly it became great to be a Heat fan. I was a Stop 2010, it. but like I really liked them before LeBron got there. Like, what, yeah, right I always saw, I, I, Yeah, <laughs> right. I was a big Ronnie Cycli fan. Like, come on, stop. Like, well, like, it's like that Ray Allen guys from somewhere. Like, <laughs> like, like it's there's always that. Like, there's always that kind of thing. So I give you credit though because. Like Shaq didn't want you. Like Dwight yeah. didn't want you. Penny. Like how many stuff? Yeah. Well, yeah, that didn't quite work out either. Tracy. Penny, once he got hurt. You want to just name you know. the list of disappointments for me? Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I won't bring up Nick Anderson. I promise, I won't bring that up all right, at all. Good. I'm glad you won't bring that up. So, <laughs> just work on work. Yeah, I won't bring up you know free throws and stuff like that. No, yeah. I can't do that. I'm, I'm well, Courtney Lee. Nothing. Okay, good. I'm glad we're not bringing up Courtney. any of these. You went Courtney Lee. I mean, that's yeah, a missed layup uh, you towards are, the end of the Lakers in the finals. You, yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, can we yeah, talk I'm about not that? Saying it was an easy was, play, but I have to blame some finals. It can't be Kobe. The finals. <laughs> the finals. Nobody wanted. No offense. The finals. <laughs> nobody wanted. It's fine. Like honestly, the Cavaliers were a sixty-win team that year. My good friend Wally Zerbiak was on that team, and I always say to him, well, anytime he tries to chirp me, I'm always like. Man, you lost to the Magic in the Eastern Conference Finals and stole LeBron versus Kobe from the rest of the world. That's how, like, you can't, how do you do that? And then we find out, of course, that, um, what was his name? Was it Richard Lewis? Yeah. You know, he might have had a need, he might have, you know, he might have had a little extra help. He and Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire and, uh, know, yeah. Just saying. The special, the special sauce, they like to call that. <laughs> whatever it, hey, whatever it took, he was knocking down corner threes. Yeah. Like he was just, like it was free money. That was almost. So God bless them. That was almost like they were playing today's basketball almost then. It was a bunch of three point shooters with Dwight Howard in right. the middle to get the rebounds. Like high I mean, screen and a lot. And high, that's a forgotten but series. Jameer was Howard so got. good. The high screen and roll with Jameer. And, and Jameer got hurt, if you remember, too. Yeah. And Dw- that was Dwight at his best. It's just Dwight then just went. He was, you know, after that, you kind of lost him. But he was tough. Like he was really good. Yeah. And. You know, Wally always tells me that the the Cavs were swept the first two rounds. It was easy in the first two rounds, and they had this long layoff before that conference finals because you remember Orlando had a 
a longer series in the second round. Mm-hmm. And so it was like turning the engine back on was so hard for them. But as we look back in history, they stole the LeBron Kobe finals <laughs> that we all deserved and never got to see again. So, you know, yeah, but you got to see Matt Barnes lose and then Matt Barnes go to the Lakers. I mean, come on. Like, this is great. <laughs> he got, remember, he tried to trick out Kobe. That was the series. He threw it and he acted like he's going to throw out his head and Kobe didn't move. And then he's like, well, I need to join this guy now because he's not scared of anything. That that guy's tough. I want to be teammates with him. Yeah, anyways. That's a forgotten series, by the way, that Cavs series for Dwight Howard especially. If you go back and look at his stats, which the six-man show, that's what my friend was on. I'll shout out the six-man show. They went back and looked at this. It was a while ago now, but I was listening. And, like, his stats in that were ridiculous. Like, 40 points, 20 rebounds, six blocks in some games. It It was insane. That was prime Dwight. And wasn't that against wasn't that was that against Ilgauskas? That wasn't against Shaq, right? Shaq came no, no, after Shaq that. Was, I think. Shaq wasn't there anymore at the time. Yeah, he didn't go there. And, and Cab Shaq, by the way, that's the Shaq nobody needed to see. <laughs> you, know, you love Shaq, but that's not Celtics. Shaq. That's the one where it's like, it's, well, it's, I don't even. I I got to be honest with you. I've blocked Celtic Shaq out of my brain. <laughs> like that's this. That's the one. It was a Kevin Hart that was making the joke about that. Like he got to a point where it's like, man, Shaq fell down again. Can we help him up? Somebody help up Shaq, right? That's <laughs> that whole bit. That he does, but yeah, maybe it was Ilgauskas that was the center or whoever it was, and, and um, oh, what was his name with the crazy hair? He had the um, Anderson Verizel. Uh, he was Verizel. Very good reference. Yeah, he. I think he was part of that, and yeah, and Dwight was. was just too much for both of them. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'll give this you a is, quick look at us going down memory lane on the all, Orlando all, all Magic. Of sudden, this all of a sudden, like great. This friend. is such just such great content. What great content this is! <laughs> great basketball <laughs> content, actually. So the reason I have so many different teams is I didn't get into sports until a little later in my life. I got into baseball. That was right. the first sport I really got into when I was about thirteen. Um, and your team was the Yankees. That was the first team I ever liked was the Yankees. Uh, and and you know what? I I don't. You can call me whatever you want. I'm not going to lie. I was 13 years old when I was choosing the teams I liked. Of course, the better teams are going to come out. But I am now 30 what year years was old, it? and I have, not, I have not switched teams once. Not once. So, Well, I mean, you're not switching from the Yankees, let's be honest. No, so what, you're not. What, what it, so what year was it when you were 13 and when the Yankees are my team? <sighs> God, you're making me do math. <laughs> Early Matt, 2000s. What, what, Matt? Early two early two thousand. All right, so so it's after so so it's post six. I'm being told. Oh wow, okay. Two thousand six is yeah. That's that's after they were done being great. Yeah, they went. Yeah. They were just good at that point, right? They they, they yeah. lost in 03. They lost. They got the 04 comeback by the Red Sox, which is just happened. You talk about a nightmare. Um, and then yeah, okay. So uh, again, not fraud. You weren't no, fraud. I, you. You jumped on when it was time to jump off. Yeah. Now I got to start questioning your your timing with all this stuff. In 2006, were pretty good. They (laughs) They were were pretty pretty good. good Yeah, they were. They were. That's right. They were good, but they had a heartbreak, though. It was. It was Derek Jeter that got me. It was Derek Jeter that got me. Like, just I loved Derek Jeter, Um, and that's. Mm -hmm. And I think baseball. The reason I stuck with New York, other like like unlike any other sport, is because baseball is so regional, and it was then, and it is now. Like you saw it on TV every single day. Where other mm-hmm. sports, it was national. Like you would see the other team, like Orlando, and and this is I started like in Orlando probably around the same time. I went to my family lived down there. I saw the arena. Dwight Howard was young and a rookie, and I liked him a lot, and that's how I stuck with them. And like, okay. but they were on TV a lot. 
they were on national TV at the time because Dwight was really good. And they wanted to see the matchup. Yeah, so it's a good team. It's, yeah. al- it's almost the same as how people become fans today. It's like the more you see a player, you kind of stick on to them. But I just never left my teams. I just uh, now. All right. So we got the Magic. We got the Yankees. And the I don't Yankees even know if I want like to say the, the last you. one. I don't even know if I want to say the last one to see, see the reaction. So, but... so we're, going, we're going NFL, I'm guessing, yes. right? Okay. NFL, you've, you've been all over the map. Uh, is this a team from one of the places you lived? It is, but that's not when I picked them up. I picked all my teams up around the same time. So if you want to think about teams that were were pretty good around the same time, but the reason I picked it up, specific player, I didn't know much about anything in sports yet. They reminded me of Derek Jeter, and I've stuck with that team since. And now it sucks to be a part of that team because the the person that replaced the person I'm talking about is a nightmare. <laughs> NFL. Person that reminded you of Jeter, and now the person that replaced him is a nightmare. And around the same time, oh, this is not easy. Person's a nightmare that replaced him. Who's yeah. a nightmare? Yeah, he just he, I mean, he had a pretty bad game last week. Uh, he has not been good for a while. Uh, he hasn't been good for a while, which means he's been in the league for a while. No, 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 no. Wilson, he's been in the league for Denver, a couple of years now. A couple of years now. And he had a bad game. And he replaced somebody. And he replaced somebody pretty good. <laughs> it can't be it can't be Tampa. It's not Baker. Baker Mayfield. No, good. but you know what? Tampa is technically close in a way. <laughs> I I like the Yankees. I like Derek Jeter a lot. And then I started watching football. And Tom Brady, who was very good at the time, leader of the team. I started to like I liked that. This is I don't none of the off this is I'm thirteen. All right. None of the off field stuff. New England, are you kidding me? New England Patriots? Yeah, there you go. So you took the Tom Brady. That's the right time to take to him. Yeah, that was you the right said time. though Although they lost to the but Colts you said that year close, in the AFC right, championship. You threw me off when you said when you said close to Tampa, threw me off. But it makes now sense I'm thinking now. it's gotta be down in that area. No, but now it makes sense because you mean <laughs> as far as Tampa is the other team that Tom Brady played for. Yep. And then Mac Jones, clearly a disaster. <laughs> now I see what you're talking yeah, about. Mac Jones is... And so you went, you went, you went Patriots and yeah. wow. And I've stuck with them. Even mm-hmm. after Tom left, I, I didn't switch to Tampa or anything. I stuck with them. And uh, I actually, I, I'll be honest with you. I How's was not a fan of Mac working Jones out right the beginning, but, and now he's, eh. he's, he's where it is. Yeah, I, said, I said to my producer earlier on the phone today, we were talking about this and I was like, one out of every 10 Alabama quarterbacks are pretty good. Well, two was pretty good. <laughs> and actually Jalen Hurts isn't bad. So where's that? Jalen Hurts is very good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, yeah, your odds were against you because now it's the two out of the three, Right, so yeah. there's no way you're going to go three for three on the quarterbacks that Absolutely were all teammates not. at one time at Alabama. No. That wasn't going to happen. But wow, okay, right, that's an interesting group that you have. This so no hockey though. You don't have a hockey team so at I, all. I never really got into hockey. I, I, it's tough because I follow because I lived out in Spokane when the Seattle Kraken got there. So I, fo- I don't really follow them as a fan, but I do follow the team a little bit. Yeah. I follow the New York teams a lot. Okay. Again, I listen to ESPN and you know Don Lagreca, yeah. you know on your Islanders. And of course, stuff. like so, I listen to a lot. Yeah, I thought I stay updated like that. I worked for a hot second with the Golden Knights uh, remotely. Nice. So like, I, I mean, I follow them a little bit too. My old roommate was a huge Golden Knights fan, so like, that's right. that's like uh, that's I don't really follow a specific team, but I follow it just a little bit, a little bit. Fun sport, really is. It's 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 a lot. Of, it's a lot of fun. But it's. I think it's a harder sport that if you don't have a team, you're just sort of watching, you yeah, know, like aimlessly. So, 
it's it's one of those. It's very similar to football. It's like you kind of need a team. Yeah, um, I agree. But then it can be depressing because it's such a long season. If your team sucks, <laughs> like it's really the shortest depressing. season and the longest season all at once. Right, right. <laughs> but, well, that's 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 an interesting group. So there's your that's that's your that's your trio. Yeah. Um, and, and and at least each has a story. Yeah. And only one time did it look that you come off as a front runner. So I'll give you <laughs> only one time, but you know what? It's not anymore. So because they're not yeah, front no, runners no, anymore. Fact, they're they're bottom dwellers. You're hanging now. on. Yeah, but you're I'm hanging on. There's no doubt. So when I was doing a bunch of research and I was I was looking up stuff to ask here, I listened to a couple mm-hmm. podcasts and you told in both podcasts this is exactly what you said. I started at EA. It's a great story, and then you never went into the story. So I was hoping you could tell about the story at EA, oh, t- how you got there. Oh, I, I thought I told, I, I think you I may told have told it on other ones, but the, I've listened, I listened to a couple of things and each time that's exactly you're like, I first started at EA. It's a great story. And then you went on to the and next then, thing. And then I tangent, I, <laughs> I tangent. Yeah. I, 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 t- I t- well, all right. So the story goes like this. So, uh, I played division two college basketball. I wasn't really that good at basketball. I just suckered somebody into giving me money to go to school. And, so I suffered uh, at the time would be a catastrophic knee injury, which today it's like they're back in a month. But I suffered a pretty bad injury, and pretty much that was that was it for me. You know, I only had um, one year of eligibility left. But I'm like, you know what? Um, instead of just staying and going through this painful process of not even knowing if I can come back from it, I mean, usually like this was 1992, mm-hmm. and when that happened in 1992. Uh, an injury like that is basically they bring you out back and they shoot you. Like they're already calling you like the equipment manager at that point, you know? So I just felt like at that time, the reality was I wasn't going to do much more um, playing basketball. So I'm like, well, I got to get a job now. I got to like have a career. My major was journalism. And as I said, it was 1992. There's no internet. There's none of this. This didn't exist. And a lot of people don't understand that, that there was a whole world where Everything, every piece of information you got about sports was 90% from a newspaper, maybe 80%. Mm-hmm. 15% came from uh, a magazine, Sports Illustrated, Sport Magazine, stuff like that. And then the remaining five was ESPN, which wasn't what it is today. It was still growing into something, but it hadn't really hit what it is today. So newspapers was it. And there weren't many jobs available. So as a journalism graduate, I just kept sending out letters and trying to get, you know, connected. But I didn't go to a, a, I didn't go to Syracuse or Northwestern or, you know what I mean? Like I didn't go to a place like that. So didn't have alumni connections. And on top of it, no experience. Didn't have any internships. Well, I played basketball throughout college. Never had time to do this stuff. So I had a piece of paper that said I was a graduate of a university and nothing else. So I had to work, got a job in a mall, met somebody at this job that worked for EA. It was Electronic Arts, mm-hmm. which had their subdivision, EA Sports, which was, you know, Madden football was the main thing it knew. And then NHL was starting to become something as well. But not many other sports did they have. Um, but Madden was their big seller. And so I just got to know her and she was more on the sales side and stuff. That's why we saw her in the, in the stores on a regular basis. And then I was just so desperate because I'm working in the mall. Like it was kind of pathetic. 
And I just kept asking her about jobs and stuff. And then she just said, there's an opening. So I took it. And they hired me. And I'm telling you, I'm not joking. My job for $24,000 a year, which at that time was like, holy crap, that's a lot of money for a guy my age, was to go to big stores. They're at the mall, whether like uh, their own big box stores that were just starting to become a thing, set up a display of our games and play them. That's it. I didn't have to negotiate. I didn't have to sell anything. It was just play them, make people walk by and go like, what are you doing? Hey, they hand them a controller and then kick their ass playing like PGA. It was called PGA Tour Golf at the time. It wasn't Tiger Woods yet. Mm-hmm. Like, and just kick their ass playing these games and just have fun and just talk some smack and, and whatever it is. And then it's almost like engage people into saying, I love this game. I want to play it, right? And then they want to buy it. So I did that. And they, you know, we did – they had sales meetings that I'd come with other people who did the things that I did in other regions, and we'd all hang out. And that was basically it. And I always told myself, there's no way this is like my job. Like there's no chance this is ever going to last. Like there's zero chance. Like one day the CEO is going to be like, wait, you do what? That's what we pay you for? (laughs) And that's not happening. You know, like once somebody figures it out. So I'm at a major sales meeting, like this big sales marketing meeting. Everybody's in from the country. I'm out in San Mateo, California, which is where their headquarters were. Very small at the time. Obviously, they've grown huge. Mm-hmm. They're they're showing off the new version of the PGA game, and we're all sitting around. And there's the CEO, and he's like, um, seeing the game, and he's talking about it, and he's like, "Anybody want to come up and play me?" And so, of course, me like a moron because I'm like that guy from New York, and I'm like, "I'll play you." So I come up, and we play three holes in front of the whole company on a big projection screen. And so I naturally destroy him. Like it's in bad. Like he couldn't hit. He didn't know what to do. He's fumbling buttons. Like he, I was the young guy then. And he was the old man. Now, now I look back and I'm like, I would have punched me in the face in front of you embarrassing me in front of the whole company. But that's what happened. So I'm I'm like, just completely just destroy him. And then I'm like, everybody's like going, Ooh, like, cause I birdie one. And then I like an idiot. I have the controller. Now, these aren't wireless controllers, remember. They're wired at the time. This is the Sega 16-bit Genesis. <laughs> I do it, and I do, like, the mic drop, you know, sexual chocolate. Like, I literally, like, birdie it, and I go, I'm done with this guy. And I drop it, and everybody's, like, yelling and screaming, and I walk off, and I'm thinking, I just killed it. I sit down, and, like, there's an older guy who knew me, and he was, like, a sales guy, but he took to me and stuff because I'd see him on the road. And he goes, he leans over, he goes, you just lost your job. I'm like, what? He goes, you just embarrassed him. You don't do that. You let him win. Why didn't you let him win? And I'm like, I hate losing. What? What? Why would he want me to lose? I'm showing off how good the game is. And he's like, look at him. And I look over and he is seething. I'm like, oh, damn. Sure <laughs> enough, about, about a couple of weeks go by. I'm back home. I'm back in the East Coast. And it's like, now I'm starting to get these like indications of this is canceled. Yeah, you don't need you. They don't need you at this. Like, little by little, it's just starting to break apart. I'm like, uh-oh. And then, sure enough, it was, yeah, We what, what, what is the terminology they say? Like, like we've discontinued that position. <laughs> so it's like, like oh, man. So I, the, the dream job that seemed like so great and a company that was small that I could have easily, you know, you just work your way up in a company like that, 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 that was gone. 
And then the last part of it that also shows you just how stupid I was, they didn't, they couldn't pay a lot, obviously, back then they were a new company. So a lot of times what they would do is give you company stock along with your salary. So at that point, I accrued like a, a bunch of company stock in electronic arts. And this is like 1995, 94. And oh, while well, I should say I got free um, the game consoles, all of them, Sega, Super Nintendo, all of it. Like anytime something new came out, I got it. They just gave it to you. And every game that they ever made, they would send them to you. I get shipments of boxes and I'd open up. It's like Christmas once a week with their new games, new versions of the game, all kinds of all betas. They want you to test play, all that stuff. It was stupid. So <laughs> the last thing I get is like this letter about how you have all this stock. What will you, you know, you have your choice. You can cash it out. You can keep it. What do you want to do? And I'm like, it's 16 grand. I'm 26 years old. Give me the 16 grand. <laughs> About, I think it was like in the, in the, somewhere in the 2000, like 2008 or something like that. I was talking to a friend of mine who's in finance and I was telling him this story. He's like, 16 grand of stock. How, how much? Let me see. He goes back to the year. He does the numbers to see how much the stock was worth at the time. And then he's like, if you kept the stock and just said, just keep it. Like, just keep it in this, in my, like, that's mine. Just let it, let it ride. He's like, it was like one point something million dollars. <laughs> God. And I'm like, you're lying. He's like, yeah, no. Nah. He's, like, <laughs> he's like, it's like 15 years later, man. <laughs> I mean, and now, yeah. now Madden's so big. I mean, you, who knows what it yeah. would be. But who I, knew? Like, I mean, the company barely could afford, like, keeping everybody in a hotel at the time. It was, like, such a small company at the time. They were, they were like, talk about where they'd be taken over by another company. There was talk about the one – the two couple of executives fighting. It was it was madness. So, for me, I'm like, yeah, let me uh, – just cash it out. Get me out of here. This this yeah. place ain't – this ain't staying. They, like, they're not going to make this it. this sinking ship. <laughs> Right, give me the money. Cool. I'm out of this thing. So, so it's just you. What do you? You don't know anything about the business. It was all brand new. Like it was still new. They were making yeah. games for PC, PC, the you know personal computer. Not not you know um, like they they made games that were on CD-ROMs that you put into a computer and you could play Madden. That was the the higher seller than the Sega version at that time. Like it was so everything was so new that it didn't you didn't know it was going to become what it's become so mm -hmm. you know as a kid so that's why i said it's like a funny story because you start out that way and you know it's funny how life just tells you this is not for you you should be going in this direction and the moral of the whole story is it made me reset go home and say what do i want to do with my life well i have a journalism degree i love to write i love sports i love being involved in sports i'm very competitive and I need to make something of that. I need to go in that direction because what was I doing? But sitting around playing video games, saying to myself, this can't be real life. They're going to figure this out and eventually fire me. I needed to finally start my life and get into a career that mattered. And if not for that, like if I was humble and didn't route the CEO in front of the whole company in, in PGA golf, who knows? I might not have come home. I might not have gotten on the journey of getting into journalism and, and chasing uh, what's been a, a this it's been a fun career and 
I, you know, it's not even the beating of the CEO. It's probably the mic drop afterwards. He's like, that's it. He's out. Was that He's over the top? Out. With you, you think you yeah, think that was over the top? A little bit, a little bit. It sounded like Wolf of Wall Streety, like <laughs> over the shoulder, and everyone. Like I legit remember. Remember, it's wired too, so it's not like it's not like the wireless ones. If you drop them, it's not, when you drop a wired computer, it pulls the whole console, like the whole thing. Like it made such a noise, and I was just like, "I'm done with this guy." Like it was just, yeah, not good. But again, like I said, these things push you in a direction that you know. There's a lot of times life just sends you the way you're supposed to go. Man plans and God laughs, and and he was hysterically laughing that day. All I can think about in that story is you're kind of like one of the first uh, one of the first testing streamers out there. Like now that's all some people have a job where they get sent the new game and they go on Twitch and they stream it's it. Like, amazing. You know, it's it was basically um, I, 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 and I like it sounds like I'm exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating. Like I have college friends of mine who would be like I, they would tell you see this game. Oh, I got it. Like, what do you mean you got it? Like, I got it. Come over. I got it. Like, like, it's not even in the stores yet. I'm like, I know, I got it. And it's a beta version. Like, even the packaging would be blank, you know, but you'd get mm-hmm. it, you pop it in, and here we go. I mean, it'd be a little glitchy at times, but, you know, it's still, you're right. It's the first look at a game. You get a feel for it. And it, I wasn't quite a game tester. I, like I said, I was more of a, a demonstrator, somebody that, you know, you set up, set up shop, and you just want to talk to people about the product you have. Now, it's not all just playing Madden. There was also some other games like learning games and stuff that, you know, wasn't as much fun, but you got to do what you got to do. And then you make, you know, you make the best of it as you can. Um, I'm trying to I'm remember trying to a couple of names. Too. I spelled that so much better than you did. <laughs> <laughs> Next. Right, like an, eight, an eight-year-old comes up and it's like, who spells dough like that? It's yeah. not with a W, you it's can't G-H. Even spell couch. <laughs> Loser. <laughs> Who's next? Get the sticks. <laughs> like, but that's 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 what we did. That's what we did. But like I said, it 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 sent me in the direction of a career that at at that time, all this, everything since then. If you would have told me at that time, oh hey, you know, twenty five, thirty five years from now, you're going to be telling this story and laughing about it because you just did all this stuff. I'm be like, yeah, okay, whatever, that ain't happening. But it did. And, um, and like I said, it's just mainly because things force you in a direction and sometimes life tells you this ain't for you, right? You know, like you never push against the forces of nature. And that's one of those forces of nature where as I'm seeing what's happening to me and the job and all that stuff, I mean, I'm making, I'm, I was exaggerating a little bit about how like, oh, you lost your job because of that. It was because they phased out the position and they re- they legit did because other people, it wasn't just me, other people did too. But the point is, is that I could have taken a job on the sales side, become a sales guy, which I'm like, that's that's not me. This is not where I want to head. And maybe I need to now reset and, you know, try to get on the path that fits me best. And that's what this forced me to do. Yeah. And I mean, became a journalist and then now you're working for ESPN. You cover the Knicks, which is a dream. You've said many times is a dream of yours. So like yep. that moved it on to the next step. There was a story you told um, when you were a journalist that like was, I thought it was really cool, but also spoke a lot about the man himself, about you were at a, uh, I want to say it was Long Island Ducks or Surf, Long Island Surf. And Jeff Van Gundy was there by himself. Yeah. And then you mm-hmm. got like an interview that way. But 
I, it just speaks so much about Jeff Van Gundy. Like people don't see like the, like how much this man loves basketball. He's at a long Island surf game by himself for people that don't know the story. Uh, you want to tell the story a little bit. And so they get a little background yeah. on it. All right. So you're, you're, you're saying long Island surf, like anybody watching is like, Oh sure. Like nobody knows what the hell they were either. Right. They don't even <laughs> exist anymore. So there was a league. So before like there was a G league uh, and all that other stuff, there was a league that was called the USBL, United States Basketball League. Now, unlike most basketball leagues, they played in the summer. And it was a smart, actually, it was a smart business plan because a lot of times that league, summer circuit, and you would play in smaller places, but you would get people you've heard of playing in it for various reasons. For instance, guys who played in the minors, now again, there's really no minor league anymore in basketball, like not one of what it used to be. But back in the day, there was the CBA, the Continental Basketball Association. There were other leagues like that. Then, of course, there's guys who play in Europe who are trying to get into the NBA. And so you would use the USBL as a way to showcase your game for scouts, try to get invites to NBA training camps that open up in October. So this league was smart. It stayed in the Northeast and it would get players who, again, you good college players that you've heard of that are overseas trying to get a look, uh, and guys that are also maybe in the minor leagues as well. So I was a sports writer for Newsday. That's Long Island. That's where I live. And that's my first break came um, on Long Island. I had a weekly newspaper out in the Hamptons. And then from that experience, Newsday then hired me. And, you know, you're just basically a part-time guy. You're, you're taking any assignment you could possibly get just to get a byline. And this was one. I knew basketball. I felt comfortable going to these games. And so they, they gave me an assignment to go cover these Long Island surf games. And they were at a high school gym. It wasn't anything fancy, nothing elaborate. And I remember being – and it wasn't a lot of people that would go. I mean, they'd pull the bleachers out as if they're expecting, you know, 5,000 people. And it's like it's – handful of people would be there. I mean, some of the players, you know, family would show up after the game to pick them up. I ain't watching this. But I was there, and I'm sitting there um, at this game. And, you know, the Knicks were in their heyday at the time, in the 90s, and Jeff was the coach of the team. And I was a big Knicks fan. I followed the Knicks closely. And so, obviously, the minute I turn my head, like, that looks like Jeff Van Gundy. Like, what's he doing here? And now, again, the Knicks had a relationship with the USBL because Anthony Mason, God rest his soul, was a player that they found in the USBL. Saw him play. They had one of, um, they had one of the – Fuzzy Levain was a scout, Knicks scout. He used to go to surf games all the time, and he would watch games, and he would you know tr- get some guys at least training camp invites. So the Knicks kept an eye on things with the surf a lot, and suddenly Jeff was sitting there in the gym – watching the game and there's nobody around. So I'm just looking at like, okay, like, what do I do? Like, what's the right thing to do here? Am I going to bother him? I mean, he's Nick's Nick's head coach. I don't cover the Knicks. Like, can I just just leave him alone and let him watch the game and not bother him? And a little by little, like I kind of would glance and then eventually he just looks at me. He's like, how you doing? (laughs) Like, like he knew, right? Like he knew. So I'm like, I introduced myself and we just have a small talk, but it was kind of cool to just sit there in a casual setting, just watching basketball, just kind of, you know, talking. I wasn't trying to interview him. I certainly wasn't jotting notes down or anything like that. It wasn't it wasn't like he was giving me gems. And he wasn't like giving me, you know, a whole bunch of hot takes that I, you know, would turn into a big breaking story. But it was more of just 
we're just talking hoop, watching players, and and I just I liked it. It was it was it told me a lot about him, like you said. Um, number one, he when I asked him why he was there, he said that he was in the area. He knew that the, it was a game, and he wanted to watch a game. I mean, it's as simple as that. I just want to catch a game, just like I like watching basketball. And so that that's what it ended up being. I might have had, I had two or three quotes from him in the actual story. But nothing that would have been earth shattering. I probably should have dug deeper, of course, but I was in a way a little bit awestruck because I was still very young that he was there and also caught up in like, don't make this about you. Don't try to be a hero. Don't 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 try to do something that, oh, I'm, I, I got to get the scoop. While you want to be like that in some situations where you are aggressive and you understand, wait, I got this exclusive situation. I want to get something out of this. There's also times where you rec- recognize. This ain't the place for that. There's no story going on that I needed to press him about. And I thought to myself, because my goal was one day to cover the Knicks, myself was like, I got FaceTime with this guy, and one day I'm going to be in front of him again, and he'll remember me. And that's what that was yeah. about in my mind. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've, I've always felt the same way when I do stuff like this. I, I also started kind of in journalism. I did like – I was sports editor for two school papers when I first started. I started down in Gainesville. That's when I was down in Florida. And then nice. I went up to New Haven, and I was for both ones. And I was down in Florida. I would, I would cover the Florida Gators for this for this nice. newspaper. Yeah. And, you know, you'd just be – I'm like 19 years old. I'm hanging out with guys that are on the Florida Gators, football team, basketball team. I mean, I have a story. I went to a Big Sean concert, and Bradley Beal was there like because <laughs> he was at Florida at the time. But yeah. I never – the reason I didn't pursue journalism is because I never really wanted to be that person that like – that steals the – steals the story because like you lose their trust you like nobody will trust you in that way again so i was like ah, yeah. that's not really that's not really what i'm looking to do like i enjoy that moment like it's cool to be a part of that i like writing about it but like mm-hmm. i don't i don't need to be the person that breaks the story and then the next time you're talking to somebody they're like well why would i talk to you or you're going to get very generic answers or something like that so yeah that's, i feel the same way with that I do feel the I same way about it. I understand that feeling, and, and I've felt like that sometimes where you just know you're just like – and there's sometimes you don't have a choice. You're like, I, yeah. I, I, I got to do this, and I'm going to be an ass, and he's going to hate me, and I'm probably going to like and – you, and you have to make – sometimes you have to make decisions on if I say something – like I've always told kids this when I've talked to journalism classes and stuff, but I've always said this. I've said you don't empty the notebook. Some things you keep in it. And you yeah. might, it might not be something like, you might say, well, I can kill him with this. But if you have it, you'd be surprised how many times I've had something in a notebook that maybe three months later, a situation comes up and it's like, I can use that now. And now mm-hmm. it's like, you know, like it's past, so it's so long ago, but it's still relevant and it hits a little bit better than just trying to rush something out there and it's sort of no context to it at all. Just because you're trying to come up with like the big quote that gets me the big headline that makes me look like a hero. There's a lot of times you don't leave, you don't leave it leave some things in a notebook, and there are stories that you're told, or there are quotes that are given to you, whether it's a saying, whether it's a reaction, whether it's a. I mean, I've had many times a coach telling me about a player. And if I quoted the coach, man, it would cause all kinds of trouble. <laughs> but if I saved it, and then as I'm talking about that player another time, go back and use the quote but not attribute it, say whether it's like a, a coach said this about him or use it in my own words. Mm-hmm. 
And I use it sort of as a way to say, like, the perception of him is this, right? And then I say it. The one thing I know is that when that story comes out, you know who's not going to say anything to me? The coach who gave me that info. Because he'll see it, and he'll be like, oh, I, I told him that. And I had many times where somebody has said, like, I saw what you said there. You make yourself look smart. using my You're using my intel. You make yourself look smart. I'm like, did you want me to quote you? Oh, no. But I love how you used it and made yourself look smart. You know, like, it's like things like that. But that's – and then they'll laugh because they see how you did it, and then you'd be surprised how much more that develops, you know, a trust like you said. But I, there were times I didn't like some of the stuff that I had to do, um, which is why I love doing radio and TV so much more. The beat writer job, it's, it's a challenge. It's exhausting. It's, it's, it's a struggle. It is a daily fear of someone else having, especially in New York because we have so many different outlets. It's the yeah. daily fear of – Someone's going to have something that I didn't get. I didn't catch it, whatever it is. And um, it can, you know, you, it, it, a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of second-guessing yourself. Should I have written that? Should I have said it that way? There's a lot of times where you know the next day the phone's going to ring and you're going to hear it. There's a lot of uncomfortable next day or next time you see somebody, you know it's a confrontation. Like, there's a lot of that stuff. And you don't like being that guy, but you also understand that comes with the job. And, yeah. um you know, it's a rush though. When you do break a story, that's a rush, man. It feels if you're competitive, it's it's a fun job. Yeah, it's it's a competitive field, especially today with you know Twitter and oh, everyone. Yeah. Everyone's a Twitter headline. You know, I mean, look at Arson Judge. Everything's a Twitter headline with uh, with how that goes and stuff like that. Especially, mm -hmm. and you're saying, you know, again for people that don't know, you can see or you can listen every single day, ESPN New York. You get to talk about things every day. And I want to talk a little bit about the NBA. I'm not going to talk too much because, again, every day, ESPN New York. You can go here, you talk about the NBA. But um, I'm a big NBA guy myself, especially recently. Right. right. I wasn't very – I liked Orlando, but I wasn't very big into basketball until probably like 2020-ish. Um, I lost a lot of weight. Big part of that was getting into basketball. I played every single day. I still try nice. to play every single day. Obviously, good. being at Gonzaga helps. <laughs> They're pretty good. Um, I was I was a videographer helping with with sports, so I did a lot of stuff with the team, and that really since then it's just been rolling awesome. and rolling and rolling and stuff. How, like how long ago were you at Gonzaga? I was there for so I was there for one. I call it a cool experience, but at the same time, same thing with you building your office and, and then COVID happens. I was there for the first, that COVID year when no one was allowed in. So I was one of like maybe 50 people in the entire building. So like oh, wow. I got to actually experience yeah. the COVID years in the building. I got to see Suggs and Kisper and them yeah. in person. That team was unbelievably good. They so were like good. that was a lot of fun. They and then good. the next year I was there for Chet. So I was there for the two probably <laughs> – Best years you want to be there. The Suggs and year funny. and the Chet year. It's funny. Drew Timmy was there like about five years before you, and he's still there, I think, yeah. right? Isn't Drew yeah. Timmy yeah. like – You know what's you know crazy is he signed with the Bucks. I'm, I'm, so I'm he's <laughs> I, I was hoping you would say, oh, I was there in 2012. Then I was going to say, Drew Timmy was a freshman, wasn't he? Like <laughs> That dude, <laughs> no, that I, dude I, was at Gonzaga forever. <laughs> yeah, he was there forever. He really was. But you know what? Once NIL became a thing – there's no reason to leave. You know, he's, he's with the bucks, but he's on like a, like a very low end, probably going to get may, probably get cut and go overseas kind of contract. When yep. he was out there, he was making a lot of money. He, he was doing the, the casino commercials. He was doing billboards. He was doing everything. He was the hero out there and he was making of a course. ton of money. So like, why not do that? You know, and, no, I, and now he gets I, to sign I, with the bucks and they, they just got Dame Willard. 
<laughs> it's pretty. No, it's it's good. And if they put him on the the uh, the G League team, he should he should stick with that. Like he should do yeah. that. Yeah, that's because, that's always you know, that's been the topic of debate over there. Is does he go overseas? Does he stay? Try to make it in the NBA? He doesn't really have an. He has a very good overseas game. Like he's in the inside game, the turnaround, footwork. very finesse. Yeah. But yeah. the in 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 the United States, it's very athletic, and right. you know he's not a right. good defender, and he's not a three point scorer. So being a big, is kind of tough that way. No, and, his he's too small. Like he's short. Like yeah. that's the part. He got great footwork. Uh, very yeah. smart. Tough, um, but, mm-hmm. you know, kind of small. And you wonder, you know, obviously it, it would definitely fit better overseas, but, you know, you try like, like you said, yeah, yo, like I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad you said he's there. I, I was wondering where he ended up. I actually didn't follow much, but it'll be, it'll be interesting <laughs> to see what, what they end up doing with him. But that's yeah. cool. So, yeah, so you went to Gonzaga, you got to be behind the scenes. I mean, that's, you know, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a cool part of it. Cool get to you know see all and that's the kind of stuff you're talking about right you get to hear things that no one else gets to hear and then you just have that knowledge but i enjoy having that knowledge it's just something you know and it kind of makes you feel in so it's kind of cool to have that you know it's the you almost famous it's it's like the movie almost famous right it's it's yeah. that it's that kind of yeah. experience where you're, you're suddenly like right there with them you're the fly on the wall in the entourage and you see and hear things and you and you kind of forget that i'm not supposed to see and hear this stuff but <laughs> you are you know and yeah. then it, it's, yeah. it becomes great stories for later, but yeah. for some people, they can't help themselves. They want to tell those stories right away. Yeah. I I mean, I told my friends a bunch of these stories. One job I did work while I was at Gonzaga is I was a, uh, an escort at the U S open. So I like, I brought the players to and from, and I have stories from that that are unbelievable that I, I, I haven't told that because there's no reason to, but man, I, it's just things like that. Like I love just that whole thing. That's why I like working in sports. That's really why do you I like ever, do, do you ever drop, do you ever drop that in pause? Cause you had me for a minute when you said I was an escort, escort and then stop. At, <laughs> like when you just go like this, like, you know, I was an escort at the U S open and you just wait. Yeah. Cause you know, somebody's going to go uh, like, like, what did you do? Like, you know, an escort. Yeah. <laughs> You know, they called me when I was needed and I performed yeah. the service. When the players necessary. needed me, I was called. You know, like, <laughs> did you did you drive anyone by any chance? Like, oh, yeah. And you yeah, start, yeah. like, you know, name dropping, like. Oh, like, wow. You were an escort for that person? See, <laughs> see, you know what I mean? Like, it, like yeah. I'm just saying. I didn't want to name any names because it would be really been awkward. But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> if you just if you just did that, if you delivered it like that, where you're just like. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know when the U.S. Open was in New York City, I was here. I was an escort, and you just wait. You know, somebody's gonna be like, "Wait, what? What? Wait, so wait, what did you do? Yeah, I the, uh, the players would need me. I'd wait for them, and then we'd go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that's yeah, a whatever, job. Whatever, what do you mean? Whatever, whatever they needed, whatever they needed. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I, I don't. I don't do the. <laughs> I initially, I actually don't do the pause for that exact reason. But See, I'm telling some you, though, maybe you, like you understand. Be a lot more fun. You understand, like. What you just yeah. did there, you make that awkward pause and you just go, yeah, yeah. You know, and then just kind of like wait and you know people are like, what is, yeah, he, I, is he, is he, is he just like, is he, is he saying this? Like, it, what is he, what I'm is just he talking saying. about? And why is he talking openly about this? <laughs> why is he saying this openly? But They, they uh, do this? Yeah. They, yeah, they do it's this. It's the biggest term in the yeah. world. Of course they do it. <laughs> Can't have these guys out here alone. <laughs> And it still all pertains to the right thing. No, but that was that was a great experience. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've I got to have conversations with like Rafa Nadal. I had a like a almost forty five minute conversation with Rafael Nadal, who is the nicest person in the entire planet. 
Like it's mm-hmm. things like that, a bunch of other ones, but things like that, that are just things I love. Like you ha- you get to have these experiences right. and I'm sure you have this, yeah. you know, you're just talking about how you're, you're texting with NBA players. Like you don't, you have these experiences that you never thought you're going to have. That's what, that's what I really like. You know, it's it. funny in, in New York, in, in New York, it's also a lot like that too, is because there's obviously a lot of celebrity fans of the Knicks. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, you just go about your business covering the team. You don't know, you don't, you're not saying to yourself like, Oh, so-and-so might be reading this. You know, Spike Lee might be reading my story. Like, you're not thinking that. you just, I got to do the job, do the job. You know, it's time to make donuts every day. That's an 80s reference. You're way too young to know what I mean. But anybody <laughs> older will understand it's a Dunkin' Donuts thing. All right. So I just never thought about anything, like, of what I was doing being anything more than what fans were following. And then I'm walking in the garden, and I was actually talking to somebody and Spike Lee came over, and I thought, all right, let me just get out of the way. Let Spike walk by. And instead, Spike stopped, shake my head, and he just starts debating with me about something I wrote. And he was arguing with me, and I'm just sitting there, and I get into the argument with him, and we're back and forth. And then he's done, and he walks away, and he just, and I'm like, what the hell was that? I just, like, I've never met him before. And now we're arguing over who should start it small forward. Like, it, and I'm sitting there like, that was unbelievable. You know, and who's going to believe it? If I said, I didn't get his number, I don't know how to get in touch. But, you know, that, that's the kind of cool stuff that happens. You get a text, you know, middle of the night from, you know, Chuck D from Public Enemy, and he's out in L.A., and he didn't get to see the game live, so he had to watch it uh, on um, DVR. So he's watching it on DVR. It's 4 a.m. in New York, but freaking Chuck D's texting me, so, yeah, I am going to respond. Like, and he's <laughs> asking me about this and what happened, what he saw. And, again, it just starts to register. Ben Stiller is at the game. He's courtside. I'm just standing there, and – I see him walking towards me. Once again, in your brain, you're going, get out of the way, right? Zoolander's coming, mm-hmm. get out of the way, you know? And instead, he also starts talking to me. Then he introduced me to his wife at the time, who is also a famous actress, and she starts talking to me, and it's like how they watch, oh, yeah, oh, we have you on every night in the postgame show, it's always good. And I'm just sitting there, like, going, like, how bizarre is this scene? I'm in a studio talking to a camera, and on the other side of that camera is, you know, a celebrity couple in bed, watching me and and critiquing what I'm saying or what I'm wearing, all that stuff. It blows your mind, but that's, that's the reality of it. You don't think of that stuff, but it's fun. Um, And you don't ever think that that's going to happen, but it it is, it's all part of the job. And, and it's, you know, like it's all stuff that you process, but you don't focus on or think about because once you do it, then it makes you crazy. That's you don't think about it until times like this when you're like, yeah, like this happened, and I, I it's it's just nuts. Yeah. Like it's crazy yeah. to think about. Or if you tell somebody it happened, like you'll tell somebody, like, yeah, I was doing this, and this happened. They're like, wait, what? Like this happened? Like that's crazy. Yeah, like, right. Yeah, right. Larry, that's- Larry David sitting in a in a studio waiting to to record something, and I'm just in the next studio, and I'm walking by, and I, it's like friggin' Larry David, and 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 I'm like, ah, oh, I'm not gonna bother him. And then he introduces himself to me and says, big fan, and starts asking me things. Like, that's the kind of stuff where you're just like, that's weird. You know, what do you mean big fan? Like, stop it. I'm big fan. Like, But you think to yourself, this is a regular person who's literally a sports fan who cares and consumes things like everybody else does. And mm-hmm. and that's, you know, those are the things that you enjoy. And I, many times, like you said, you talked to Rafa Nadal. When it's over, you're like, that did that just happen? Like did yeah. that did that just happen? But that just happened. 
And yeah. and those are the those are the cool things about it, as long as you stay cool, you yeah. know, and not turn it don't into cool. Yeah, yeah. Like don't ask for autographs, don't don't try to get selfies, like and all that stuff. You, to me, there's a credibility to not having a selfie with a celebrity every time you meet one. Mm-hmm. You know, like sometimes there's a credibility to just knowing that I know. Like, yeah, but we're good. And then eventually one day we get to know each other well enough. Yeah, we'll get a picture. But yeah. to you don't need to always show off all the people you talk to. And that's, you know, that's another level of the respect you have for people um, that you meet. And, of course, that you cover. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to wrap up really quick. So you can listen every day, ESPN New York. Um you can see on ESPN, any, basically you're all over ESPN, you know, anything Knicks, you can go there and find that. Is there anything else you have? I know um, you've written a couple of books in your career, anything else you have coming mm-hmm. out, anything like that? No, it's just, again, get up when they, when there's NBA to, to do. I'm usually part of that show, which I love. It's a fun show in the morning on ESPN. It's great with football and their basketball stuff as well. I'm part of, uh, you know, our show every day and you can hear it streaming on ESPN. Um, New York, which is its own app. And, um, you know, Bart Scott, who I work with, is a former Jet and a former Raven. If you haven't heard him, he's hilarious. Like, he's really funny. He's got different characters that come out of him when he gets into conversations and really entertaining guy. I just kind of step back and let him do uh, what he does. And then, yeah, the Knicks season begins, and I do stuff for MSG Network, sometimes calling games. The opportunity to work with a guy like Mike Breen's amazing. And then, you know, I mentioned Wally Zerbiak earlier. He and I are in the studio uh, doing pre and post and stuff. So, and it should be a good season for the Knicks this year. So that starts up pretty soon um, in a couple of weeks. And then uh, it gets busy. It gets real busy uh, for <laughs> me, especially my schedule. So, you know, I'm glad I'm able to fit this in and, and make this work. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, very quick before we wrap, Bart Scott, this is, is he in a feud with, um, what is the, the car dealership? Michelle, Michelle Scalisi. Like she, he was in all the commercials for years <laughs> and now he's not in any of the commercials anymore. So I'll tell you a funny quick story. Um, so the commercial that she used to do with him and they voiced it, they didn't even weren't in the same place, but they would yeah. voice this commercial. And he of course was missed, you know, can't wait was his big famous scene. Of course you as a Patriots fan certainly remember that. And, <laughs> Thanks. And Michelle would say, come get some, like in this wonderfully Long Island nasally kind of voice that is, you know, I mean, if you grew up on Long Island, like that is, you had a teacher that spoke like her. And I used to, used to joke that she sounded a lot like, you know, my cousin Vinny, the movie. Yeah. You know, like my biological clock is ticking like yeah, this. Marissa you know, like yeah, yeah, she, yeah. Marissa Tomei, right. Well, the way she would talk. Miss Vito. So I would just, I would just to say that and we would laugh and then we would put it all together and, and have fun with it. And she took it personal. <laughs> she thought we were making fun of her, but we weren't. She was adorable. Like we thought it was cute. And it's just like everybody in New York has an aunt or a neighbor or somebody that would see you. And it was just, that's what it was like, ah, come over here. Give me a kiss. Give me a hug. How are you? You know, like that's how they speak. And so she sounds like that, and it was funny. But I, I think she might have gotten upset about it. So, right. Michelle, come back to us. It's okay. We love okay. we love Michelle. We, we love Michelle. You. We love everything about it. Yeah, exactly. Like like, uh, but, but still. Thank you so much for joining. We appreciate you taking you time. It. You got it. All the best.
Thank you for listening to Mad Props. Another episode down. That is episode 50, 50. I didn't even mention that in the beginning. That is episode 50 of Mad Props. A lot of great guests, and there's still more to come. Uh, we have Monica Abbott joining us next week. So definitely, definitely, definitely stay tuned for that. Follow us on Instagram, Mad Props Pod. You can stay up to date. You can interact with us. You can ask questions, whatever you want to do. Mad Props Pod on Instagram. Also, subscribe to the Schnabel Studios YouTube channel. You can find us. You can find Sketching Up, Southern Hospitality, Offstage, Documentaries, other videos. It's all on the Schnabel Studios page. So go to YouTube and subscribe there. If you're watching this on YouTube right now, go follow us on Spotify, go follow us on Apple Music, subscribe, you'll get the uh, you'll get the podcast directly to your phone when it comes out. Go follow Mad Props on all that stuff. If you want to follow me, I'm Chris Schnabel on Instagram. You can go follow me personally if you want. I don't know why you'd want to do that. I'm not that interesting, but you could do that as well. Thank you guys so much for joining. Thank you, Alan, for being here. Thank you, Joe Brown, for producing. We'll see you next time with Monica Abbott. See you later. This was Mad Props. Mm-hmm.